Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. This is episode 325. I am Ted, your host here in V-Twin Cafe, and we've got another wonderful interview for you. And this time, our good friend Craig Johnson of Wild Ass Seats joins us today, and he's going to tell us some cool stuff about the Hoka Hay Challenge. But in the meantime, until then... Motorcycle Men Podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. Now they're offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. So to learn more, get on over to scorpionusa.com and get yourself a helmet from Scorpion. I own three Scorpion helmets, and I could not be happier. Great stuff, kids. And Wild Ass Seats. That's right. We're the real Craig Johnson. Wild Ass Seats. Now, you can improve your comfort and ability to stay in the saddle longer with a cushion from Wild Ass Seats. So if you're tired of those painful pressure points and fatigue, go to wild-ass.com and get your cushion today. Make sure you tell Craig that their motorcycle men sent you, and he'll hook you up. That's right. So have Craig take care of your ass. All right. And, of course, Tobacco Motorwear. Now, for the best in casual riding gear for men and women, there's only one place you should be going, and that is in Dave's Pants at Tobacco Motorwear. Visit them at TobaccoMotorwear.com. That's TobaccoMotorwear.com. And our listeners will get 10% off your order when you use the code MOTOMEN. Your safety is worth it, and it's good to get into Dave's Pants. I own a pair of Dave's Everybody here on the podcast has a pair of Dave's Pants, and everybody here also has a California riding shirt, I use the Roper gloves. It's good stuff. We wouldn't use it if we didn't like it. We wouldn't use it if it wasn't good. So get yourself on over to Tobacco Motorwear right now. All right now, time for that interview with Craig Johnson. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 325 of the Motorcycle Men podcast. Joining me right now, all the way from, where the hell are you right now? I am in beautiful Brainerd, Minnesota. Really? All right. Well, I good. Am. How's the weather? Uh, you know, it's decent today. I just, I, I went out for a walk here about an hour ago, and uh, it's warm. Plenty warm. Okay. I don't know what the temperature is, but... Minnesota, anything above 50 is pretty warm. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes, this is Mr. Craig Johnson from Wild Ass Seats. And I have Craig on here not to talk about Wild Ass Seats, but although the, I am sure that will come into the conversation, we're here to talk about the Hoka Hay Challenge because Craig participated in this event, and he's going to tell us all about it and his, his excitement to do it again. So <laughs> how you doing, Craig? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. I, been, uh, I, I, always. I think the last time I was on, I was a guest in your Jeopardy game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I haven't seen you. I mean, I saw you in person in Myrtle Beach. That yes, was nice. That was nice. It was good to see you. I finally get to meet you. It yeah. was great. Uh, yeah. And, and I, if I recall, you, you, you fared rather well in the Jeopardy game. I Yeah, I may have beat everybody <laughs> you may have <laughs> not that i'm keeping track but i'm undefeated in uh, motorcycle man jeopardy just uh, is, for anybody is, is, that is, does keep score is that a challenge <laughs> is that a, is that a return challenge is that is that what, is that what I'm, I'm getting there okay i don't know all right maybe okay. your show yeah <laughs> well it's not like you have to redeem yourself at all right. you know so 
But anyway, so so just for those who don't know who you are, so briefly tell us who you are and what you do and your motorcycle self. So I am, like you said, I'm Craig Johnson, uh, wild ass Craig on about every social media thing there is, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I don't even know if my Twitter name is wild ass Craig. I don't know, but just at wild ass Craig, <laughs> that's me. Um, you can even Venmo me at wild ass Craig and I'll take your money. I, I but uh, money owner of wild ass seats, uh, you know, we've been a proud supporter of your show as you've been a supporter of mine, yep. which has been awesome. And uh, I'm just, I grew up here in Minnesota. I've, I have not lived more than probably two hours from the place I was born. Wow. I actually am lucky enough to live in a place where, um, I shut my phone off, it's making noise. Um, I live in a place where people come to go on vacation. So I don't uh, really see a lot of reason to move away, especially when I get to travel for work. So sure. luckiest guy in the world. I, I grew up. You know, started with mini bikes and raced dirt bikes through my teens and I think into my, well into my 30s anyways, and just found myself in a position to travel around the world and talk to my friends about motorcycles. Hey, what are you riding? Um, I currently have, well, you want to know what I rode to work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, do tell. <laughs> a Yamaha Vino 50cc what? scooter. <laughs> I have a soft spot in my heart for those damn oh, Yamaha no, scooters. Right, like, yeah, why not, right? I, I currently own four of them. No, what? Um, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly I like to just, I just like the stupid things. They're fun to ride through town. People look at you funny. Yeah. And I had to run to the post office today, and I'm that guy that'll ride the scooter and two-finger down wave the Harley. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he waved back at me today. It was yeah. hilarious. They, they do with a chuckle, I'm sure. Yeah, they do. So, most of them. Not oh, all and them, please but. tell me. Oh, please tell me you rode that thing completely at GAT. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Come on. You know you want to be wearing the full face helmet and the leather jacket I, uh, and the leather pants. Everything. Speaking of that, I did. I just picked up a couple of them. I, I don't know if you saw them on Facebook or whatever. The wife and I were riding them. And uh, uh, they came with helmets. Oh, my God. And I almost put that stupid-looking half-helmet on just to run to town, but I couldn't do it. So <laughs> I rode in a T-shirt. But uh, do you I have... don't advise that, of course. I always advise at get. Yeah. So, <laughs> are, you, um, uh, are, are you using a wild-ass seat cushion on this? Absolutely. You are. Yeah, no way home without those. So, so I have those scooters. I have uh, a couple old dirt bikes. Um, I own a KTM dealership for... Uh, three or four years and the very first dirt bike that ever came in the store i still have wow. and uh um i have a bmw uh gs 850 that i really like to ride and i also have a 2001 harley davidson road king that's the one i rode on the hokahe wow all right so now you did the hokahe um now for those who don't know tell us what the event is it's not just a motorcycle ride, though, right? It's it's definitely not just a motorcycle ride. It is a 10,000-mile um, challenge of will, grit, determination, and your ability to navigate. So you have uh, it, it's a yeah about 10,000 miles. Wow. The the this year it starts. It's every other year. Um, it starts in a different location and finishes in a different location. Okay. This year, it started in Rapid City, South Dakota at Black Hills Harley-Davidson. Okay. 
and it ended um, in Hot Springs, South Dakota. Not too far which away. It's about an hour away. All right. Uh, but for whatever reason, it was 10,293 miles to get there. Wow. So part of the, the Hokahe, they call it a challenge. You cannot carry extra fuel. You cannot use electronic navigation. So no GPS or anything like that. Right. Which I don't understand how that would help you uh, anyways, because you don't really know what cities you're going to. And a GPS always is going to tell you the shortest way. Sure. Um, so you can't use electronic navigation. You can't, uh, uh, you have to sleep outside with your motorcycle. You, wow. you get a route sheet. So basically at the start, um, if I thought of it, I would have had one handy to show you. Um, I know right where there is one, but it's out there. It's a uh, turn by turn directions. So wow. that was it, you, you know, and we had to build a little place to mount those, keep those on the bike. We follow turn by turn directions. They gave us directions to the first checkpoint, which if you flip to the last page and look at the bottom, the first checkpoint was in Kansas or just you know, right near Kansas City. Right. So we knew where we were going, but had no idea how we were going to get there. So now when you say so, it's it's so the turn by turn directions is basically like a cue sheet, like you're going to drive, you know, 25 miles and then you're going to turn left and then your odometer reading should be, you know, 5,610. Right. Is that is that that sort of kind of. Yeah. OK. Yep. Now, kind of. It's no. it's the the directions are greater than or less than. Oh. Or the at symbol, which means within ten miles of. Oh, geez. so I mean it, the directions <laughs> were terrible. <laughs> so a little part of the experience. A little vagary um, involved. What's that? A little bit of vagary involved. <laughs> yeah, and I think what happens when you look at a map, and a, a road goes to the right, and you think it's east, and it's a south street that confuses a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I can see how it would. So, yeah. So you'd go, we'd go greater than, you know, like the first turn, I think, was at 70 miles. So that's about 70 miles. You take a left. And then I think, you know, less than 35 miles, you take a right on this road, which this road could be First Street. It could be Motorcycle Men Avenue and Highway 437 all at the same time. Oh, okay. Wow. So you didn't know which one you were looking for, but it would always end being the first one unless it didn't. (laughs) Unless it didn't. (laughs) Yeah, that got me in Boise at one point. But wow, that's yeah, you learn it's it's part of the struggle, it's part of the challenge was following those uh, navigations. Well, and now, then the how, other rule that I, I think I forgot was if you get a moving violation, you are disqualified. Oh, yeah. Well, I can see. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, so, safety is also very important in that. That's a safety thing. Of yeah. course. Now, how did, now, you said you had to mount the turn by turn directions. It is, uh, what did you, what do you mean by mounted? I mean, like you couldn't just stick it into a sleeve on a tank bag. You could, and I tried that. So, yeah. I didn't do a lot of practice runs on the bike, but one of them was the map pouch on your tank bag. The problem is I don't normally wear a helmet. My deal with the Hokahe was I would wear a helmet the entire time. Yeah. Um, now, if you're not used to wearing a helmet, you put an extra pound on your head and you do this. Yeah. 400 times a day. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. Hurts. Okay. I, I can. So I, what we did is we took uh, Ram mounts. Thought I had one sitting right here. Um, like I said, my desk is a total shit show, but the, uh, I thought I had one sitting here, but I don't, I took Ram mounts and I built this little concoction that came off the handlebar. So I have a road cane, right? So there's no ferry. Sure. 
So I went off the bottom part of the bar, up, and then a little angled piece to kind of get it centered, and then a clipboard. And the clipboard was not a full-size clipboard. It was a the yeah, smaller one. smaller ones, buy, right. Yeah, I get it. That, which yeah. actually, when you fold a sheet of paper in half, fit perfectly on that clipboard. Right. So I had that mounted in the center between the handlebars right behind the windshield. Wow. So then it, was, it wasn't too far below my line of sight. Right. It was always right there where I could see it. And that's, right. that's really what I wanted. Okay. And that worked out well for you? It worked out great. I took, uh, I also took, I think it was one gallon uh, Ziploc bags. So oh, in the rain. Right, to cover it up. Now right. it's waterproof. Uh, yeah. And then I have a, an X brace ram mount thing on my handlebars that I would turn the light on my phone on and that would light it up after dark. So it was like a dash light at the same time. <laughs> I mean, it seems yeah, stupid, but it worked. Wow! So yeah. uh, let's let's getting back to to the challenge itself. What made you decide to participate in the event? You know, kind of a long story. Kind of um, in twenty one, I had the BMW and the Harley both like bookending my booth at the BMW rally. Right. Um, my Harley's black and yellow. It's company colors. The BMW's black and yellow because that's what it came with. And it was the 40 years of GS, so right. everything at the show was black and yellow, so it just fit. Right. And uh, I had these things at the booth, and a buddy that I got to know from the BMW rally, you know, we met him at one, and then we seen him at the next one, we got in touch, we stayed in touch through social media, and just became friends. Well, he was there, walking in the booth, and he's like, man, where'd you get these, you know, who'd you borrow the bikes from? And I went, wait, well, those are mine. And he like didn't even hesitate. He's like, "Oh, you actually ride?" <laughs> no, I, I don't. No. Well, it, that actually triggered the thought in my head. Is like, well, I guess I really don't. You know, if you don't even know I ride, yeah, and we're friends, I don't really ride. I ride, I ride every chance I can. Yeah, but evidently I'm not riding. And and he was very right as I started to reflect on how much riding I've done right since we started Wild Ass. And uh, we sell a lot of cushions to the Hoka Hay Riders. Uh, oh, we're really? very strong in that group, and they buy our best seat because it works. Okay. And we've never given it to them. I've met all of these guys because they're customers. Yeah. And I've become friends with a number of them. So, uh, what a better chance to ride! You know, I got a forced deal where I have to ride. Yeah. And yeah. I I can ride. I I don't think I'm the best rider in the world, but I certainly am a I, I believe I'm more advanced than most. Okay. So it was like, let's get out and do this. And, right. um, you know, they're my friends. So why not go ride with my friends for a couple of weeks? Yeah, really? So that's that's kind of, I guess, how it came about. Oh, wow. Okay. So you basically just somebody commented on your bike and that kind of like got you want, going. You know, that was yeah, great. it was more wow. like a reality check. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I we all get into these jobs in this industry because we love riding. Uh, but once we're in the industry, we don't really get to ride anymore because right. it's it's a lot of work. I understand. And once I started the company, now, you know, when I was with my previous employer, I rode all the time because yeah. I rode to events because we had a company that shipped product there. Yeah. And all I had to do was show up and be the rock star. Now I got to haul it. So now I'm I'm the right. I'm I'm the guy that carries everything <laughs> and get to be the rock star. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm the starving artist. Yeah. There you go. Bingo. Um, yeah. How did you prepare for this? So I had a couple of good mentors. Um, Paco 
is a yeah, friend Hoka. of mine yeah. who is the first Hokahe rider to buy a motorcycle cushion. In fact, if I turn my screen right above the Evil Knievel autograph poster, you see that cushion right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is the cushion that Paco rode. Uh, I don't know if it says what year. I don't think it says what year. I think it was 2018. He rode, maybe he said it was 16. The 2020 Hoka Hay. Yeah. It had to be 16. He rode the 2016 Hoka Hay on my cushion and uh, hit a deer. High side crashed in a windstorm. You know, I'd wrecked a bunch of stuff and he did 100,000 miles in a calendar year, which was, you know, unheard of to me. Sure. Yeah. But I one of his crashes ripped that cover. Oh, really? And I couldn't hardly talk him out of it. So he goes, all right. I said, I'm sending you a new cover. I want your old one. I want it signed so I can put it on my office wall. He goes, you can have the cover, but you can't have the cushion. So he kept the cushion. Um, but, uh, but I did get the cover out of it. Oh, that's awesome. So he was one of my mentors. And then Jeff Wyatt uh, goes by the name Riot. Right. He, uh, he and I have become really good friends. He mentored me. And, you know, a lot of advice I got from those guys. And then Chris Hopper uh, got some advice from him, too. Uh, you know him. He's the guy that did the 100,000 miles in 100 days. Okay. Um, what was funny about Hopper and, or I mean, Paco, well, Hopper made a few comments that made me think of bike setup. Riot talked a lot about riding the bike. Paco talked a lot about everything except riding the bike. All right. So I had, it seemed like I had mentors on both sides of it. Well, good. And that helped me get ready. But as far as actual preparation, there was not a lot of riding time. Right. Because I was on the road uh, working. Right. But I had been training for this mentally and practicing diet things and checking different, how to do different things for, you know, since I signed up. So yeah. it was over a year. So did you prepared mentally, uh, physically. How did you manage that? Did you exercise anything like that yes you did yeah good, i did good, exercise good. um i don't know a lot of people maybe don't know i don't know if any of your listeners know of what the 75 hard program is no i, don't think I would so. google I don't that um i did that i know i did it once in the last year i can't remember if i've done it twice but it's called 75 hard right basically it's a mental toughness mental preparation program that basically programs you to be mentally very strong okay so I did that. Um, I practiced, you know, what I could eat and not have issues, um, how much water I needed to drink and how fast I needed to drink it or how slow I needed to drink it. Right. Um, I kind of did a lot of that, <laughs> like behind the scenes, nerdy type stuff. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as goes for the part, part of that preparation, did you also practice, you know, your, your sleeping arrangements? Not one time. Oh my God! Really? Not one time. I uh, and that was one thing that Paco said I needed to do was get used to sleeping outside. I'm a guy that can. I can fall asleep anywhere. Yeah. And lay down and be asleep just within a few minutes. So I should have. I don't know. I mean, I guess looking back at it now, it was not necessary. But setting up my cot and my sleeping bag. I did that one time before we left, you know, like had the bike all packed up and then went from that to a sleeping arrangement. Yeah. And then I folded it back up and reloaded the bike. 
I think I did that one time. I might have no, I might have done it twice because I think I tried two different ideas. Right. But never never slept outside. I just literally set it up in the driveway, folded it up. Okay, now I'm gonna try this and then folded it up. That was it. And I think I did that the weekend before we left. Mm. So did that little bit of practice help out? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't use either. <laughs> Okay, so now we established that the ride started in Rapid City, you said? Rapid City, Rapid, yeah. Started there. Now, yeah. the day of the ride, you guys get... Oh, are you nervous? Um, I don't know. It was a weird nervous. You know, I wasn't... Like, I was plenty comfortable riding. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's riding a motorcycle. My nerves came from knowing that I had to sleep outside and not knowing where I was going to sleep outside. And then, you know, you hear a lot of stories of this guy, like, blew a corner, he wasn't paying attention, and he took out the rider ahead of him and took them both out. I was a little bit nervous about that. Right. And other than that, I really, I was ready. I just was more, I was more nervous about what I couldn't control, which... I guess I shouldn't have been. Right, because you can't control a lot of things outside of what you're doing. You know, outside right. of that. So, okay, I, I can understand that. You, you know, it's the unknown that might give you a little anxiety. And, you yeah. Know, we know we can't do anything about it, but we still worry about it. Um, yeah. Now, did you set a goal for yourself as far as it goes for how many hours a day you were going to ride or how often you were going to stop and take breaks and things like that? So, I had... Uh, my goal was to be at the finish line party when it started, which was six o'clock on Saturday. So that would have been the 14th day, which would have been 13 days and 12 hours. Okay. So that was my goal. And I knew to do that. So I basically just reverse gold everything. Um, to do that, I had to average, I think it was 715 miles a day. Ooh, wow. And I wanted to average 45 miles per hour. Okay. So if you do that math backwards, I think it was riding, um, it seems to me it was like 16 hours a day moving or, you know, on the bike. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, so 24, if you got 24 hours, you minus six hours of good quality sleep. That left me with 18, two hours to, you know, pee and make gas stops and whatever. That seemed pretty realistic. Okay. To average forty-five miles an hour, I should be able to do that. Right. That that was my logic going in. Was it sound logic? You know, it was okay. Um, I wasn't sure about the navigation part. Yeah. So Paco said, "Hey, why don't we we'll ride together in the back, and you know we'll take off together, and I'll I'll show you my navigation until you need gas, and then you're on your own." Okay, perfect. Well, and, and you know. We get there that morning, and Mike Tyson once said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got punched in the face right away. So they, they decided to line us up by number. Oh, and what was so your number? My number is 1112. Okay. So 1,112. So Paco, I think he's in the, well, it's up there. 851. Okay, so he's a little bit ahead of you. So he's a ways ahead of me. Um, there are only 1,116 numbers. <laughs> wow. So 
Yeah. And there's, you know, a couple hundred bikes there. And the bulk of us are between 900 and 1116. So Paco's way the hell up there. I'm on my own. Wow. So thought, well, let's get back to my original plan. That should work. Um, and that's what I did. So I cruised along and, and I, I could see looking at the route sheet that my first three days were going to be in the plains. Yeah. You know, I could see I was going North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa. I mean, you could, it did mark where you were crossing state lines and what state you were going into. So I thought, you know, when I looked at the sheet, I'm like, okay, if I can make the first checkpoint in three days, right. That'll put me ahead of schedule. And that's what I wanted. You know, give me, give me three days in the plains. I can get myself ahead of schedule. Then if something happens, I got some room to play. Right. And I did, I was at, I made it to the first checkpoint in three days and I was there in enough time to get checked in, take off and get another four or five hours in. Oh, my good. So I rode quite a bit that day. Wow. Now, how, how often did you stop to actually just take a break? I guess every time um, you got gas. I didn't really need a lot of breaks. Yeah. I, it, I guess I don't know. I don't know why that was. Maybe I was prepared. Um, my food was spaced out, so I knew what I was eating, how often I was eating it. So right. my body wasn't working real hard. I never drank cold water because, you know, it takes energy to warm it up. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I did all that, like I said, that nerdy stuff that <laughs> just, I tried not to burn a lot of energy. Yeah. It was really hot. So I, I drank, bet. Yeah. I drank way more water than I thought I was going to, which was fine because I never had to stop and pee. Oh, okay. But okay. the the 715 miles a day, my original plan, um, turned out to be pretty easy. Yeah. Wow. I guess because you know, while you're riding, you're 715 miles. I, uh, I guess what you listening to music or audio books? What are you doing? I thought I was going to. <laughs> I I really didn't. Um, a lot of just uh, math. I mean, you're just mapping the whole goddamn day. Because every time you turn, you got to remember to hit your trip. Yeah. Figure out how long you have to go, how far you're going to the next stop, you know, and you're like constantly just keeping track of things. And all of a sudden, you're at your next turn. And then you just did it again. And you just yeah. did it again. And you just did it again. Wow. Now, speaking so, of the turns and stuff and the turn by turn directions, as you said, now, how, well, I guess you said that that did stress you out a bit. Did that add any fatigue to the ride? The turns? Yeah, well, no, I'm just talking about the, the stress of not having, you know, by just having that turn-by-turn directions. That I'm sure that, that stress adds fatigue. Actually, that didn't worry me too much. Oh, um, good. Because I grew up racing dirt bikes before there was GPS. Yeah, that's true. So to okay. find the tracks, we would we knew that we had to go to this highway and go this direction and go to this highway and go to that direction. Right. So I kind of grew up following that type of a direction. Okay. I don't know my daughter now she's mid 20s she says uh i don't know how i could do that which is a pretty valid point that i didn't think of but she's always only used gps yeah okay yeah so the younger I, kids yeah, would, right. would probably struggle with that yeah. so we'll, we'll see how that event changes <laughs> moving forward i, I have <laughs> my personally myself having done a lot of bicycle tours one of the things we're giving at the, given at the start of the tour is a cue sheet, how to get to where you have to finish. So you have to do that 
this mile you're turning this way and you know this you should have x amount of miles on your odometer when you're making that right or left turn or whatever so i understand that part it yeah. doesn't seem too stressful but how hard was it not to just follow the guy in front of you that was pretty easy <laughs> because yeah um you yeah. really only saw the guy ahead of you when you caught them by the third day god by the second day you know that second night i was alone wow um so a lot of, some guys would team up and they'd run together and i would ride with a couple people and i'd be like yeah i don't think i like what you, you know i don't like what you got going on you take too long at gas stops you're not aggressive enough you're you know whatever or you know i i didn't catch anybody that was too aggressive right. but um it just kind of was a little frustrating so i i and i don't mind being alone i have no problems with that so after northern minnesota i was purposefully alone but you really didn't after the third day you don't see anybody except wow. for at gas stops because if you think about it we're all moving roughly the same speed yep. heading roughly the same direction right. you know about the same distance apart <laughs> i don't know you know i yeah i i guess on the trackers it probably looked like we were following each other but you know you, you can't see each other not often after that third day speaking of the trackers quick. uh there was a couple times where uh, you you ran across this and I, maybe other people did where your tracker just stopped working yeah my my tracker was a genuine piece of shit really yep i had to stop so here's the thing and i i don't know I don't know the technology behind it. No. It tracked everything. What it didn't do was relay that message out to where you could see it. And thank you for watching, by the way. Yeah, of course. Um, I you were one of the people that sent me texts every day that said, <laughs> hey, man, just you're doing great. How you doing? Hanging in there, whatever, uh, which was cool. And uh, But the tracker, I think, so I had to reset it. Um, I think the first day three times, the second day three or four times. Wow. And it was a minimum of three times a day until the, the last couple days. And I'm like, piss on it. I'm going to reset it once. Renee at home, she can track my phone so she knows I'm alive and moving. Yeah. After that, I don't care. Um, but what I think it was, so when, you, when I had to reset it, I'd stop, unplug it from the power, disassemble the thing, take the... There's like another little plug-in in there. I had to pull that little plug-in out and then take the SIM card out. Wow. And then sit there for 30 seconds to a minute and then put it all back together, put it back in, put the side panel on the bike, put the bag back on the bike. Put the, you know, it was just a joke. And, uh, I mean, if anybody from U.S. Fleet Tracking listens to your show, they can piss off with that piece of shit because it's junk. Wow. But now, at what least they, we got to buy it. Well, what... <laughs> What, what, um, what the, did, now, how did the organizers deal with that? I mean, what did, did they uh, have any well, response? Like to I it? said, it 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 did track us. Right. So when I would reset it, if you ever happened to be watching it when it got reset, it looked like I was hauling ass because it followed my line, I guess. Oh, okay. And it would like really quickly follow the line I went and then catch me. I did notice that a couple of times, and I thought, well, well, maybe just the tracking system is just catching up. So yeah. th that was as a result of you just resetting it. Yeah. Because I was following you and I'm looking at like, why is Greg still sitting in that one spot? He's been there all day long. Is there something wrong? And then I'll send you a text. It's like, are you okay? You're sitting still. And you'd say, yeah. I'm not. 
Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> and that's when, that's probably when I decided, I just gave up on it. I yeah. mean, this thing's ridiculous. I'll reset it, you know, when it's convenient for me, not anymore stopping to reset it because it just, it was ridiculous. And it was interesting, so bad. Interestingly enough, it didn't seem like that happened to everybody. It did not. You know, um, um, I know it happened to a few of us, um, yeah. but it didn't happen to everybody. Now, so but what I was thinking was happening was it was like losing cell signal and then never picking it back up to relay what you saw. Right. Like I said, I don't know how they work. Yeah, I don't right. really. It just. But it's my just a, uncle. Yeah. We taped one of those stupid Apple tracking discs. Yeah. To the top of one of my bags, you know, inside. Yeah. That thing never failed. No kidding. Not one time. It worked the entire event. Wow. So I, was, it was I, funny was, I was wondering why they wouldn't let you use your own tracking device, but I guess they want the fleet tracking so they can everybody together on the same thing. Wow. Well, and once everybody gets done, they can follow the track, you know, the trail. Yeah. And that's how they verify you rode the, the entire route. Okay. Oh, that was another rule I missed. If you cut any part of the course, you were disqualified. Oh, ah, so, wow. Okay. So, I can understand. But I get that. why they, you know, why they had a certain tracking device. Yeah. Um, it's just frustrating that I had to pay for it, and it just doesn't work like it should. Wow, especially... To be fair, I have not reached out to U.S. Fleet, so maybe I should say, hey, do you want to refund this or replace <laughs> it? <laughs> How much did you pay for it, if you don't mind my asking? Um, you know what? I have that right here. The uh, Fleet tracking device was 130 bucks. Wow. Really? And yeah. For, for a device that didn't work all the time? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But... Okay piece of crap <laughs> it was cool because you got to see where everybody was yeah yeah i thought it was i thought that was you know? really neat yeah you know, I, I only wish that like when you clicked on somebody's name that it gave you more information about that particular person like yours just said wild ass craig and Dick, you know, harley davidson that's all it said you know yeah it'd be cool if it offered more information about the rider but hey it is i don't think we want you knowing how fast we're going no 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 not not necessarily that but <laughs> okay you're, you're riding harley davidson what kind of harley davidson or you know oh, sure. what kind of triumph you know things like that you know but yep. um one of the things i wanted to ask you you were talking about riding across the plains and and you're all alone and, and what about what about those areas when you found yourself like in the middle of the desert and you're by yourself did did were you at all concerned about that being all by yourself out in the middle of nowhere? I never was. No, I I live life on the kind of the belief that when it's my time, I'm going to go. I get it. No, I get that. You I know? mean, I, I'm um, I'm referring more to things like you know running out of gas. You have a mechanical something like that. I had a couple of fuel concerns, <laughs> but uh, nothing. Uh, you know, we you have cell phones. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And eventually somebody's going to come by, yeah. you know, if, if they ride by and they can't help that, at least they can let somebody know at the next gas station, Hey, we need to get a tow truck back to this. Oh, okay. How, um, how far can you so, go on a tank of gas? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> um, Oops. Well, I don't know because we reset our trip every turn. Oh, and I'm on a 21 year old motorcycle yeah. with a five gallon tank and a five speed transmission. Yeah. So, I, I don't know how far it will go. <laughs> and I don't know how far I went, but I'm pretty sure I went as far as it will go. Oh, okay. A couple times. Oh. <laughs> and they and they don't let you carry extra fuel with you. No. No. So if you run out, you gotta figure it out. Oh man, that's well. <laughs> so, yeah. okay then. Well, 
Now, yeah, so what I did when the gas got to half tank, yeah. I stopped at the next gas station. Didn't matter where it was. Oh, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Except when we ran through northern Minnesota. That's my backyard. I'm like, I know where there's gas here. Yeah. So I could push it a little bit farther, which actually may have may have been an advantage. But I think everybody, when we rode through their neighborhoods, we had a little bit of an advantage. So. What about those spots through Nevada and Utah where you didn't see a gas station for a while? There was one. I filled up with gas. It was at this intersection in this, I don't know what town. And I took off. And that was the last gas station. Now, I rode like I needed to get good mileage. So I wasn't like drag racing from stoplights. And I also needed to maintain my, you know, make my tires last. So left this gas station, left this little town. And it said next service, 160 miles. (laughs) And I went, I don't think I can make 160 miles. And then I started to go, shit, I need to start figuring out what I'm going to do. Well, there was a semi a little ways ahead of me. Yeah. So I caught up to him, and I rode about 20 feet off his back bumper. Yeah, you were drafting. For a long ways. <laughs> I'm like, I drafted him for probably 45 minutes. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, I should be safe now. <laughs> and then I passed him. <laughs> well, you know, you should have, you should be able to get uh Technically, you should be able to get about 190 miles out of a five-gallon tank. Are you willing to risk that at 100 degrees? Uh, well, I know my bike. I, I know what my bike can do. You know, uh, now mind you, I've never, you know, I've never ridden with, you know, uh, you know, 100 pounds of extra weight on the bike. So right, yeah, no. fully loaded parachute <laughs> yeah. behind you, yeah. yeah. luggage. Yeah, I know yeah, my bike like... gets 48 miles to the gallon normally. So right, and the same. I think I was I was high thirties, you know, when I checked before the event. Oh yeah, high thirties. Well, I rode yeah. it a couple times loaded, so you know that's pushing it. <laughs> that is pushing it. Uh-huh. Then you start throttling back and trying to get as arrow as you can. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. You just find a trucker. That's it. Get find him. a trucker. <laughs> now if we were, we were talking about the hours. Uh, you know, you were riding sixteen, roughly sixteen hours a day, and we talked about your your sleeping a little bit. But where did you find places to sleep? Um, the first night, I met up with the guy that I had met. I don't know. I don't remember. When I was out for Myrtle Beach, actually. I met him the week before in Greenville. Um, he bought a cushion because he had heard of us, whatever. His name is, he goes by Scrubs. So I don't know if you saw him on the tracker. You probably did, just didn't realize it. He... Uh, um, somehow I ended up running about the same pace as him. Like I rolled into the way the gas stops kind of went. You know, when you have a five-gallon tank, you're stopping three times to there too. Sure. Yeah. So we ended up, you know, it was like every third gas stop we were together. Right. Um, and it happened to be the final gas stop of the, you know, assuming the final gas stop of the night. Mm-hmm. And we decided, well, let's just let's just cruise together till we find somewhere to sleep. We found an old gas station that looked run down, still had gas in it. You know, the, the pump still worked. So we gassed up and just crashed right there in the parking lot. We huh. were north of Grand Forks, North Dakota. Wow. And now, mind yeah. you, you, well, you're getting to all these places. Uh, Cause I know some of the other riders were like pulling up at gas stations or seven elevens or wherever. And just like parking alongside the building and setting up their tent or whatever. And you guys did this all after hours, so there was nobody there to say anything to you. 
But did you pretty ever, much did you did you ever worry about like maybe a a, a cop coming up to you and say like, what are you doing here? Is that type of a thing? Um, you know, I was more worried about critters than I was people. Critters? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of critters are you talking about? I, you know, like where we're sleeping, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. coyote or a, you know, we have timber wolves up in Minnesota. They're few and far between. Really? Um, wow. You know, otherwise, I that was I'm more worried about that than I was people, and I never really. I figured if a cop came and checked on me, I'd be like, "Hey, here's what we're doing." Right. You know, yeah. If I have to move, I have to move. But right. Um, I was only awakened one time by a person, and that was on the the last day, I think. Were somebody woke you up? Yeah, I was on the side of the road taking a nap because I was tired. Oh. <laughs> Who woke you up? He just stopped. He's like. I and I probably it was my fault because I had my helmet on. Yeah, I was tired the very last day, so I like kind of got to where there was a pullout on the road. So I pulled up, backed my bike up, I got off, I threw my cushion on the ground, and literally laid straight back and put my head on it. And I set my timer for I think twenty minutes or something. Right. And uh, I just laid down, and I don't know how long I slept, but I was out. And all of a sudden, there's this guy waking me up, like, "Hey, hey." I'm like, yeah. He's like, you all right? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> Why? What's up? He goes, you know, I, I just, I see a lot of stuff on this road, a lot of bikes and a lot of issues, and I, I just wanted to make sure you're okay. Well, that was nice of him. <laughs> yeah, very cool of him. Yeah. So I'm like, yep, yep, I'm good. So I throw my cushion back on, and I go to take off, and I reach up to shut my timer off. Yeah. I still had like 14 minutes to sleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so future reference maybe put a note on your helmet that says i'm napping leave me alone <laughs> or just take my helmet off because it probably looked funny laying flat on my back probably my yeah head, did this know? guy fall over what's wrong with him yeah um what about food what'd you do so i packed uh one little trick that i did um we knew where our checkpoints were going to be yeah so instead of trying to carry 14 days worth of food I carried four days worth of food and then I shipped it to each of the checkpoints along with a change of clothes. Really? Yeah. So then when I got the checkpoint and they were all in plastic bags, so I would take the plastic bag, I could dump it in the top of my back bag, my, uh, that I was using for a backrest. Yeah. Uh, Nelson rig, I had their like a destination bag. It's this massive thing and it's got a top compartment that's separate. So I would open it up, literally dump my food in there. And there was food, um, protein drinks, you know, stuff like that that didn't have to be cold. Yeah. Threw that in there, and then I'd, you know, tuck the bag away, and then the next day I'd dump another bag in there, and is you know, and then I had a tank bag also where I would grab a handful when I got gas or whatever, and I'd put it in the tank bag. Oh. Now, how did you ship your stuff to the uh, to those checkpoints? How did you do that? Um, well, they have these things here in the united states called uh ups <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> okay okay smart ass <laughs> so i boxed them up we uh we laid out i think uh but where did you ship them six, to 16 bags of food okay um and four changes of clothes and then i took to each checkpoint so there's three i shipped four bags of food and a change of clothes to each checkpoint. Okay. And then I took four bags of food and a change of clothes with me. Right. And then I wore clothes that I was throwing away 
So literally, even over the last year, I'm like, oh, that T-shirt's ready for the trash. Put it in the whole hay pile. <laughs> and uh, that's what I did. Um, but by the second checkpoint, I had so much extra food. Like, I felt like I was eating all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, so I boxed a bunch up. I'm like, hey, can you ship this back to my shop? And they're like, sure. So, so there's people at the checkpoints, obviously, that you yeah. could, you know, that would, they would say, here, Craig, this is for you. You mailed it to yourself. That type of a thing? Yes. Or you, oh, yeah, and I let each one of them know beforehand. Oh, okay. That's pretty You know, good. guys were shipping parts and guys, you know, for oil changes oh, or okay. whatever. All right. You know, I'd heard people were shipping stuff. So I'm like, that should work. All right. That so works. I did. Yeah, then I didn't not? have to carry it. Wow. Now, as far as goes, so, that, so that's how you did your food. Uh, how often did a hot cup of coffee find you? Every morning. <laughs> that was it <laughs> every morning um so part of my routine after the first checkpoint yeah so the first checkpoint was get there you're running on adrenaline i wasn't too concerned i felt pretty good and i had now leading up to this event i used to drink a pot of coffee or more every day wow and then starting last january like i think i was one, one cup and then right. in February, I was, or one pot. And then in February, I was like, okay, I can drink eight cups. March, I was down to six cups. And I just kind of timed it down. So I really was not really drinking a lot of coffee before the whole case started. That was the plan. Right. That way I didn't need it. Wow. Uh, so I went without it until that after the first stop. And then, you know, you do start to get tired. But then after that, every morning I would wake up wherever I was. I would ride until I needed gas. And when I needed gas, I'd fill the bike. I'd roll the bike up to the gas station. Um, Grab a cup of get coffee. A, get a cup of coffee and I would relax <laughs> and enjoy the cup of coffee and and just let myself wake up nice. And, and then I'd take off and ride for the day. Wow. <laughs> that's, you know what? It, it, that's, it's, so I have to assume that your, your brakes when you stopped for gas would be at least... 15 to 20 minutes no really no no way no no nope. i don't have that kind of time <laughs> <laughs> no i was pay at the pump and go really you yeah. wouldn't you know bathroom breaks you know I, I imagine if you had to go you could just stop anywhere and go but yeah yeah and i did I'd stop right <laughs> on the side of the road and go but like i said it was 100 degrees it seemed like most of the time it was really hot out yeah um so i was drinking 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 sweating 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 i didn't I mean, it, I drank a lot of water. I, I was really good about my hydration. Wow. I mean, you would have to, especially if you're going to be, you know, riding in 100-degree days. Plus, you're sitting on top of an easy-bake oven, you know, so there is that, right? You know, yes. It's hot. Uh, let's talk about the weather. How mm. was it? Every, I think there was one day when I was riding that I did not have to put on rain gear. One day where you did not have to wear rain gear. One day where I did not have to. And wow. I was I was at the leading edge of all of it. Like every storm. <sighs> I it, it kinda came in as I went through. Yeah. And there was one time I think um I was in Utah. I think it was Utah. Maybe Nevada. I think it was Nevada. One time that uh, I would might have been in the right in the the heat of the storm where it was really bad, <sighs> but yeah, I would put my rain gear on, and then I'd ride for an hour or two, and I'd take my rain gear off. Wow! But you know what? In, the, in that kind of heat and rain, you're probably getting steamed like a bag of rice. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, my God. Uh, geez. D- did you have any mechanical challenges at all? I didn't. Um, so my dad was my mechanic. My dad and my uncle were my mechanics when I was racing growing up. So dad took on the challenge of having the bike ready to go. And, I mean, it was flawless. But there again, I rode it like it needed to get to the finish. Right. You know, I didn't really beat the snot out of it. I think my speed report had four violations. Um, oh, really? I no, no speeding tickets, but those tracking devices did tell us if you're going we were going and evidently 90 was the number that they programmed in that if uh if you hit that you were getting pinged oh and what happens if you if you were doing their illegal number i guess you would get fined points or something Um, like that or yeah they didn't do anything okay good to know (laughs) yeah uh what about mental or physical challenges along the way mental i was prepared yeah um physical i had a challenge about day five where um don't say yeah, this, don't say it was because your ass was sore oh no <laughs> no i think uh so this i think might have been a mental also so i'm getting the text messages and the everything from everybody at home <clears throat> saying you know you don't have to go that far you're this far ahead of schedule take a break take it easy enjoy it you know yeah and what they didn't realize is I was absolutely loving what I'm doing. I mean, this, I absolutely love to ride motorcycle. I will ride motorcycle all the time if I can. Yeah. And, and on day four, that kind of got in my head a little bit like, well, maybe I should take a break. You know, maybe they do know what's going on. And they, I, I stopped about nine 30 at night, which was two hours early. Cause I was trying to get to 1130 every night, Okay. which was real nice. Cause literally everything was closed. Yeah. So if you found a building, a parking lot, whatever, there was nobody there. Right. Uh, so I stopped at nine thirty. I don't remember where I was. I, I like seriously have no idea where I was. But it was too early, so I didn't sleep very well. Toss and turn, and you know the deal when you go to bed but you're not tired, so yeah. you, you can't go to sleep. So then your brain starts moving, and and that's not good. And you toss and turn. So I woke up the next day and I was tired, and. <clears throat> Um, so I was really tired that morning, the fifth day, and it was probably the most challenging of the riding that we did. It was these 10, 15 mile an hour switchbacks, Ooh. and it seemed like it was 40 miles of it. Ugh. I mean, it just went on and on, and it was literally 10 miles, 15, 20, 15, 10, 10, 15, 20. I mean, and it was, it just went on and on. and went up this mountain and then back down the mountain and i remember at one point i felt my front tire go pop pop you know like it did a little skip yeah and i was like holy shit there's no guardrail (laughs) and i know what just happened well then i'm you know that woke me right up and i looked around i'm like the road's wet i didn't even realize the road had gotten wet you know i suppose you're i don't know if it was clouds fog whatever uh and I, i need to stop i need to take a break yeah. Yeah, I need to take a nap. I need to reset, start over today. Um, so I did. I, I got to where I found this little town and I believe it was at the top of the mountain. I don't know why I think that, but uh found a place where I could put my kickstand down and I scooched myself forward on the seat, put my feet over the highway pegs, yeah, and literally laid back on that bag and out. Immediately fell asleep. <laughs> and I got probably a twenty minute nap in there. And I took off that day and felt fantastic. There you go. See the rest some, of the day. 
Sometimes the body yeah. just tells you you got to stop. You know. Yeah. Got to do that. Yeah, and I, I I did listen to my body pretty pretty well. Good, and and you need to in something like that. Yep. What was your favorite part of the whole ride? Ah. Uh, oh, I stumped I, you. Well, you, you know, you got to define the favorite part, right? Oh, the, well, that, that's that's a broad statement. So you have to. There's a couple things that were really cool. If I have to narrow down, oh shit, I have no idea. There were so many things that you can't. I mean, it's you can't believe it unless you see it or experience yeah. it. One of them was we were in Arizona, and I saw the sign that said Jerome. And I remember going to Jerome as a kid. I was 15 years old, and. I remember thinking, oh, this is where the paintings are. Like the Native Americans painted their sure. goals or whatever, and there's yeah. still like some of that around. And that's what I remember of it as a kid, right? Well, we're coming from the south headed north. And I don't know how we got there as a kid, but coming from the south headed north, it's just like a you know, grassy hill you're climbing, right? But when you get to the top, it's like God took this massive chisel and just went wham and just sliced out this huge chunk of earth and it's all striped different colors and it's got to be you know it looks like it's a hundred thousand feet to the bottom of these valleys and it is just beautiful and i remember coming over the top of that hill going wow i don't remember this at all wow. so when you say favorite part like as far as riding part that's the first thing that pops pops into mind yeah um, so that might have to be as far as the riding part of it. And that same road went all the way up through Sedona, which is beautiful. And mm -hmm. then it goes up this like switchback road right. on the north side of Sedona headed to Flagstaff. Wow. But did you have, that a, would, did you have a least favorite part? Um, <clears throat> I think the least favorite part would have been the last day. The, uh, coming in. As a multiple of different things. So the night going into the last day, it was daylight when I went into this storm. And I seen the storm, stopped, put my rain gear on again, and I went into this storm, and it was black inside that storm. Um, I don't know if every like everything came together perfect where the clouds blocked out the sunlight as it set or yeah. what the deal was, but it was dark thundering lightning and this went on for a long time um so what happened throughout all of this is i also did not drink any water i found my place to sleep because it had rained all night sure found a place to sleep under a a, a lean-to awning of i i think it was a chiropractor's building i'm not <laughs> sure and uh woke up the next day and started riding and i'm like i got it i got it i'm almost there you know because we're following in and i know when we're going to get into south dakota and I know those roads in South Dakota because I ride them during the Sturgis Rally. So, like, I'm home. You know, I'm almost home. A few hours, I'll be there. So I'm all excited, and I'm coming in. And then it was like, rode by and went, why am I not turning? <laughs> why is the road still leading me this way? Oops. Um, we went through the Badlands, south, and then I got poured on again. Like, just torrential downpour. Wow. And I was dehydrated. I was exhausted. Um, when it when the sun was out, I had to stop, do jumping jacks, 
Yeah. Ride a little while, stop, do push ups, ride a while, stop, take a nap. I mean, the last day sucked. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get, I really didn't enjoy much of the last day. Wow. Uh, so when you, into well, the finish line was phenomenal. So the last day, and you, you pull into, uh, and you finished in where? Um, Hot Springs, South Dakota. Hot Springs, so you pull into Hot Springs, you, and you see the finish line because I, I saw the arrival. Uh, I saw your arrival. Did, you, you, did you see it on Facebook? I did. Live? I watched it live. On, so okay. Here you are coming in. At that point, did melancholy come over you? Because damn, it's over. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because what you didn't see is coming in about 20 minutes out is Highway 385. Okay. We came through that. And about 20 minutes before that was, I think, Needles Highway. And about 20 minutes before that was, you know, the other side of Needles Highway. Sure. Going up Needles Highway, I'm getting hailed on. Cars are pulling over because it's, you know, they can't drive in the hail. And here I am, chugging by, I'm going up the hill. And uh, go up Needles Highway in the hail, ride along the what I just call the top or the rest of Needles Highway, and it's pouring rain, come back down 385, and it is whiteout hail. Like snow, whiteout hail. Really? It was so bad that I looked and I'm like, there's no need to stop. Because if I stop, I'm just going to still get hammered by hail. So I might as well keep moving. Was the, the windshield's what, taking some of it. Was the road in bad condition? I mean, was it, the road was shit. You could see there was the two tire tracks yeah. where the vehicles go. I mean, it was just like a blizzard. Wow. But then, so I would stay in the most clear one. And it's not like you could cross to get in the other one because it was just, I didn't yeah, feel like that was, was like going to be a safe idea. Yeah, it was like snowing but between. You're, yeah, you're crossing the ice where it's packed to the road. Um, and I didn't see even a place, like it was, all I could see was this crown of the road and then the hill. There were no trees to tuck under. There was nothing. I'm like, I, I, I might as well keep going because, like I said, if I stop, I'm just going to continue getting hammered by hail. So right. let's get through it. I got through it. I went through that. It was pouring rain, and there was two bikes I saw sitting at a gas station under a gas awning. And I'm like, I'm, I'm already wet, so I'm going to keep going. And I looked at him and I kind of went, huh. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Um, yeah, so I rolled in, and I had no idea where I finished. I had no idea what place I was in. Um, and then I got off the bike. Renee, of course, was there. My parents were there and some friends drove over so yeah it was pretty amazing and then you know riot hopper some of my you know my two of my mentors and people i really look up to in the long distance riding community both made sure they were there when i came in oh, to that's finish, awesome that's great which, yeah it was it was really cool that's it's so nice to have that support you know because that yeah that drives you even further yeah so let's the route what? Where did the route eventually take you? Give us a brief overview of where you actually went. So the route, um, I actually have a picture of it. You know, people tagged it or, you know, like they had their own, like, I don't know what phone apps they used to track them. Yeah. But it went, <clears throat> I can't see all of my map on the wall, but we left South Dakota, went straight to North Dakota, went through Minnesota. Minnesota got the most miles really? of the Hokahay. Wow. Um because we went across the north, down a little bit, back across to the west, and then south. Okay. Um, went into back into South Dakota, into Nebraska, 
and then to Kansas and Iowa. That was all kind of in there. And then we stayed west of the Mississippi the entire time, no except kidding. for when we were east in Minnesota, northern Minnesota. Yeah. But we never crossed the Mississippi. That's crazy. I don't think. I don't think we did. I think we stayed north of it. Now that I say that, we may have crossed it way north where it was a creek. Right. Um, so we left Kansas, went through, I think, Oklahoma, New Mexico, or Texas, New Mexico, um, Arizona. We went up into Utah, across Nevada to California, to Oregon, Washington. Idaho was in there somewhere. Um, Idaho was in there a bunch. And then down to Wyoming. You must have hit Montana, then, of course. We did not hit Montana. You didn't hit Montana No, at we all. did not hit Montana, which surprised wow. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then back to South Dakota. Yeah, and totally so missed. kind of covered that entire yeah. west half of the country. We, I don't know. I don't know if we went into Colorado either. Wow. How about that? Look at that. Yeah. So it'd be, it, we may have, but I don't think we did. So Colorado and Montana trivia question for your your deal <laughs> two states west of the mississippi that we didn't hit well then hawaii and alaska yeah, well, I sure know your rules. <laughs> wow boy that just doesn't let up does it <laughs> uh now you everybody rode for a charity in this event what charity did you ride for and and did, rode, did you reach your fundraising goal um kind of okay i rode for um my my dad my brother are both masons and yeah. shriners so the masonic scholarship program but specifically here in the town where i live okay so Excellent. typically um you know they raise five to six thousand dollars a year wow four to four to six somewhere in there right um, my goal was to raise ten thousand so we did um on my website you know they don't it's it's the masons Okay. They don't have a lot of, like, you can't go online and donate anywhere. Right. Um, and to get that set up is not something that can be just done, evidently. Right. So I had on my website the story of the Hoka Have, what I was doing, who I was raising money for. And then you could choose, you could donate to either me um, to support the ride. Right. Or straight to the scholarship program. Okay. Um, and then any expenses above and beyond, like if I collected more than my expenses, yeah, because I, I didn't want to get a free ride out of this, sure. But if I collected more than my expenses, all of that money then goes to the scholarship program. Okay. All so, right. and it's funny because I think it was pretty fifty-fifty um, on the fundraising, but a total of eleven thousand six hundred dollars. Oh, that's excellent! Fantastic, yeah. man. That's excellent. Yeah. That's really now. Did everybody have to select a charity, or did money? Automatically you were supposed go? to. Yeah. Um. I. It seems to me I talked to one guy that didn't, but I don't know. Yeah. Everybody I thought I, thought I, I thought I read somewhere on the Hokahe website that uh, if you didn't select the charity, money would automatically go towards the charity of that they were supporting or something like that. Well, I mean, I don't know how they police that because yeah, everybody's in charge of collecting it, right. which is really cool because each person could pick their own charity. Right, you know, I exactly. pick something local right. to try to get local support, and sure. it supports our local youth. Right. Yeah, makes sense. So Now, the big million-dollar question, would you do yeah. it again? Absolutely. Oh, you would? Absolutely. Now, the, when, the next one is 2024. Yes, and I will not do that one. 
<laughs> couple reasons okay um, the main reason being they're doing it during the sturgis rally oh no kidding oh that's um, thanks i i'm kind of busy yeah i think so that's a yeah. little bit that's a little bit wow now i saw yeah. that they're doing something in 2023 i'm not sure what that is no oh okay so if you're a hokahe rider yeah like if you're a number if you carry a number or you're registered for the, oh, the 2023 Hokka. rendezvous it's the rendezvous. So I think that's where they make the results official. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I, I see. think that's where they actually... And then they all just meet up and okay. eat tacos and drink beer or something. I don't know. <laughs> eat tacos and drink beer. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, so, and I know, think they have a date on that, too, and I think I won't be there because I already know. I think I, think, I, think I saw uh, July 8th to the 11th or something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it was. July 8th to the 11th. Um. I think it was in June. Yeah, maybe it's June eighth to eleventh, and then okay. Yeah, and I already know that I will be next year, the eighth to the eleventh, at the BMW Rally. Okay. In uh, Roanoke, Virginia. Ah, look at that. All right. So, are you happy you did the ride? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, so what's next for Craig Johnson and Wild Ass Seats? Um. Well, for Wild Ass Seats, we're kind of we're quiet. This is our quiet season. Okay. Um, so we're working short days in the shop, you know, getting done what we need to, but enjoying the time off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Callie's taking off at two o'clock to go ride her own motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm leaving at, you know, three, four o'clock to go home, do house stuff. I mean, I haven't been home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't really seen much of Renee. Fortunately, she got to travel with me quite a bit this year. Good. Excellent. Um, so we kind of get our time now for the next, you know, few months. Actually, all the way through till March, I have just October, Biketoberfest. Yeah. Um, now with JNP in Daytona. So that'll be the next event for Wild Ass. Okay. For me, I'm going to do, uh, I, I'm going to become a mile monster for 24. So I'm going to do, I got a couple fundraiser rides that I'm working on for here in Minnesota to raise some money for the mile monsters. I love Riot and all the stuff that those guys are doing. Excellent. Um, and then, then 23, right? Did I say that? Yeah. In 24, I'm already. I've already got determined, I think, what I'm going to do. I will not do the Hokahe, like I said, but I have another pretty good ride coming up that uh, I'll raise some money for the local scholarship program again. Excellent. So, uh, w- that, that wouldn't be the Iron Butt Rally, would it? No. <laughs> no. I don't even know when that is. Um, I'm not even sure myself. Yeah. No. No, like I said, I don't mind being alone. So I have one, I have a ride picked out that's going to be pretty cool. All right. And you know, a lot of these rides that we all know about, it's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. A bunch of people have done that. Yeah. Um, but locally here, they think that's just that's just unheard of. You yeah. can't do that. Of course. Well, yeah. Yeah. they well, donate for that. Good. So excellent. It's that's the plan. So any advice for those who are considering doing the Hokahe Challenge or something similar? Um, talk to everybody that has finished that you can and listen to what they tell you. That's sound advice. That doesn't mean you need to listen to everything or like take all of the advice they give you and use it, but but listen to what they tell you. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, That's one thing I do think I'm pretty good at. I hear what people are saying sometimes even when they're not saying it. Yeah. And that fared pretty well for me this year. Well, good. Well, Craig, I'm very happy that you uh, finished the ride, and that you yeah, uh, thank you. You uh, you you achieved your goals. 
You know, and it, yeah. it's a, it's a big event. It's a, it's a huge thing to do. Anybody who rides a motorcycle knows something like that is is a challenge, and to to finish it successfully, uh, yeah. with, you know, and on all fronts is uh, is, is something to be you know proud of. And yeah. you should be happy. That's, that's I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm I'm happy for you. Thank you. All right. Well, Craig, listen. Well, thank you very much for being on a podcast and telling us all about the Hoke Hay Challenge and what you did and all that. And uh, look forward to talking to you again, having you back yeah. on the show, and you know maybe giving our guys another run for their money in the in the in the, in the Jeopardy game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Craig. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Hang on. Don't go anywhere. I'll talk to you a little bit. All right. All right. All right. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this interview with Craig Johnson of Wild Ass Seats. And we talked about the Hoke Hey Challenge. And this has been episode 325. The Motorcycle Man podcast is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. So help them out and see your money go to something that actually makes a difference. So go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. And also the Gold Star Ride Foundation. If you would like to be a part of a great cause and get some heartfelt miles in, go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next Gold Star Ride. That was a great interview with Craig. I learned a lot about the Hoka Hay Challenge, and I bet you did too, and now you're just eager to do it. So if you'd learn more, what you can do is you go to Hoka Hay Challenge online, look it up in Google, it's there, or the links is in the show notes as well. And you can also check out Wild Ass Seats and Craig Johnson at wild-ass.com. And you can see everything. Uh, the links will be also be in the show notes. You can learn more about Wild Ass Seats. And you can also learn more about the Hoke Hey Challenge, right? The links will be in the show notes. And again, of course, also on the Motorcycle Men website. And that's it for now. One more thing you should know. There will not be a podcast for the next couple of weeks. I will be out of state and away from everything. So uh, we're going to have to like chill and relax and do stuff other than the podcast. So you, you guys will manage. You can always go back and listen to one of our other many 324 other episodes that are out there. Refresh your memory of to what kind of idiots we really are. Thank you very much for listening. And for from Tim Buck to Chris the Joker and Justin Shoes Brown. This is the Motorcycle Man Podcast. I'm Ted, your host. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, boys and girls, we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Be safe, kids.